0: On September 23, 2003, National Polygamy Advocate Mark Henkel was interviewed by Kavon Peterson for Stateline. Stateline, this is Kavon Peterson. Yes, Kavon. uh, This is Mark Henkel with truthbearer.org. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. You wanted the uh, telephone number to call me back? Yeah, hang on a second. All right, go ahead. The number is 207-
1: alrighty I'll call you right back
0: sounds great thanks Bobby. thanks bye good afternoon truth barrel
1: hi is Mark available
0: yes it is this is Mark right here
1: hi it's Kevin Peterson yes um thanks for letting me in, get in touch with you
0: I appreciate that one second though I did realize
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: before we continue I do need to let you know that uh, this is being tape recorded and wanted to uh, make sure that we had your permission to do that
1: yeah absolutely
0: okay That's great helpful. then we can proceed
1: great Um. Can you uh, explain uh, what TruthBearer.org is, what your organization is, um, and your history, how long you've been around?
0: Okay. Uh, We are a cross-denominational, Christ-centered, Spirit-led, scripture-believing ministry. We are not a church. We are not a new denomination. We are not a sect. We are not Mormon, by any means.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: uh we are a, an organization that is bringing christian polygamy to the churches meaning this is a an outward directed not an inward so it's not some kind of a sect it's not some little community or anything of that nature and we are based solely and exclusively on the regular known christian scriptures the old and new testaments as they were written in their original languages of the Hebrew for the Old Testament and the Greek for the New, as obtained through any normal, standard, exegetical means. Uh, very often for lay people, it is uh, using the King James Version as a doorway back to the uh, original languages using a concordance called Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible, which is a well-known Bible search research resource. Mm-hmm. We are based exclusively on the Bible. It is a relatively new movement since 1994. 1994. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, get some uh, full details of the history of the movement, as it were, over there at a website called ChristianPolygamy.info. I n f o. Dot. Info. Right. Dot info. And it also explains how Christian polygamy is not Mormon polygamy, and also that polygamy does not equal Mormon polygamy, and that that is the reason why polygamy ended up illegalized so many decades ago, back in the 1800s, is the confusion that people have associated the Mormon presuppositional reasons for polygamy as if that is polygamy. So
1: you'll have to explain.
0: Um, Certainly, yeah. What what is the difference between
1: your guys' your belief and what old is the old Mormon
0: practice? Mormon polygamy. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, uh, it's an understanding of what Mormon polygamy is. Mormon polygamy is born out of their. Uh, their leader Joseph Smith and supposedly had a revelation, and they have an extra set of scriptures that's called uh, Doctrine and Covenants, and in their thing called Doctrine and Covenants, uh, chapter one thirty-two, uh, their leader Joseph Smith had this revelation that uh, polygamy was uh, this new thing that's going to happen, mm-hmm. and then. The additional doctrines you know, emerged uh, there, uh, a subsequent leader Brigham Young, uh, you know talked of uh, a duty mm-hmm. uh, and an obligation that they can't, the Mormon theology has a uh, has a idea that there is uh, supposedly this preexistence of souls which is an, um, mm-hmm. which is exclusively Mormon it has nothing to do with standard Christian theology. Yep and this preexistence of souls says that you have to hurry up and get as many of those preexisting souls born into mormon families so that they're not born into the unrighteous families according to their doctrine mm-hmm. so that created a compulsion of you better have as much many wives as many children as possible in order to supposedly you know it becomes your duty to do this because otherwise those souls are going to be going into the families of of uh, non mormons yeah okay that creating uh, an oblig- an obligatory duty as well as the uh, notion itself when you read that 132 uh, basically while it was is Joseph Smith would have revelations and then every time he'd have one they'd number it so 1, 2, 3 so forth Okay. and 132 is uh, in it he comes out with that this is supposedly God speaking and uh, and this is the Mormon thing and in it, it even goes so far as to say to Joseph Smith's wife, Emma Smith, that she will be destroyed if she does not accept us. Mm-hmm. So it, it created this whole compulsion of uh, of basically what we now understand as, a, as an implied force, and that there is no choice. And so that's why the whole idea uh, was associated between you know, at that time, the whole you know uh, the the Republican planks in in, 19, in 1856 and all referring to the twin relics of barbarism, polygamy and slavery, uh, prior to Abraham Lincoln becoming president. And indeed, it was a process by which it did have a, a a appearance of enslaving women because they have no choice under that religious doctrine. Okay. They have an obligation. They have to do this, and if they don't like it, they'll be destroyed. So that's the whole presuppositional basis behind their beliefs. Now, coming to Christian polygamy, ours is based purely as standard, conservative, fundamental, evangelical, Bible-believing Christians. This is not liberalism. This is not libertine. This is not playing games with scriptures. We come exclusively from the scriptures, and one of the... Uh, First, what what usually happens is that we're we're actually, we're individuals that are coming from Baptists to Pentecostals, any of the various denominations, the Bible-based denominations, and what happens is that individuals get into deep, serious Bible study, and they look deep, they really want to know the Word of God, and the... Scripture, you know, as, as conservative Christians, we're under the paradigm of what's called sola scriptura, which was what came out of the whole Reformation and all that, uh, mm-hmm. that doctrine is supposed to be based on the scripture and not based on uh, traditions of men and so forth. Yeah. Well, one of the things when you become a really deep studier is you discover, well, first you have to start from the presupposition. We will let the scripture define itself rather than look at it with our preconceived bias in the first place. And when you do that, you first realize there is not one single verse that ever says polygamy is a sin. Not one. Secondly, you then discover there are some profoundly mighty faithful heroes that had more than one wife. We're not talking bit part players here. We're talking Abraham, the father of the faith, had three wives. And uh, David had at least eight named, known named wives, plus ten more. And you've got the, the whole 12 tribes of Israel are born of four wives. Now, if all of this is so evil and so against God's plan, there is no way God would have looked the other way on this, on such incredibly mighty, faithful heroes. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. Then, when you go studying the original language, the issue of adultery, of course, is your natural question. You look it up, you realize that the Hebrew word for adultery is naaf, N a Backward apostrophe, Mm A-P-H, not F. And the word in the Hebrew means woman that breaketh wedlock. So what you discover is that as long as a man is marrying a wife that is not another man's wife, Mm -hmm. no woman is breaking her wedlock. So when a man marries two women, no woman is breaking her wedlock, no adultery occurs. And then that explains how only 22 verses after the seventh commandment of thou shalt not commit adultery, 22 verses later in chapter 21, verse 10, it says, If he take him another wife, her food, her raiment, and duty of marriage, shall he not diminish. You have a polygamy-regulating verse only 22 verses after thou shalt not commit adultery. Mm -hmm. Then in another book, later on, you've also got If a Man Have Two Wives. So all of this is in what was called the law, and we're not saying that we're under the law anymore because Christ came. But the point is is that when under the law, they were so strict. I mean, you'd be stoned uh, to death for not keeping the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that's in the law, so to, to, to understand that. And by, by coming to understand what that means, then you start realizing this is how many of the mighty heroes had. Uh, more than one wife. They Let me change the subject. Sure. Slightly.
1: I understand um, now okay. uh, the difference, I think.
0: Well, uh, let me just make one quick sure. conclusion. Right what we come to the realization is the model for marriage is that of Christ and His churches. That's what we get from the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And that husbands are supposed to be as Christ and wives are supposed to be as the churches. Now, Christ is not a chest-pounding tyrant and forcing and all that. Mm-hmm. He is a Foot loving gave himself to the cross for the churches. For the wives, and just as there's more than one church, there can be more than one wife, and as there is only one Christ, there's only one husband. But the model is after Christ and his churches, and that's and husbands are to. This is not about a chest pounding tyrannical thing, but rather what we call love, not force. A husband ministering and helping each wife be the best she can be, and helping her grow and and, and 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 encouraging her. This is is ultimate pro womanism if there ever was. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, let me explain where I'm coming from. Sure, we cover policy. Right.
1: Um, I've covered. I've uh, written lately a lot about the issue of same-sex marriage and state laws regulating that. Sure. And I noticed uh, I got added to your guys' email list and started getting you emails around the same time. Oh,
0: you must be referring to propolygamy.com. Yeah. Okay, I'm to that email list. Okay, yeah.
1: And so I was calling because I wanted to um, learn a little bit more about what the laws are. Against practicing Mm -hmm. polygamy. Okay. And what um, your organization is doing to to challenge those laws. Sure. So tell me, um, so start by explaining um, what exactly the legal, what the law is
0: regarding. Well, uh, first requires an understanding of terminology. Sure. And that is the difference between polygamy and bigamy. Yeah. Most often, people just think that their bigamy means two, and polygamy means more than two.
1: Yeah,
0: It uh, doesn't. Basically, bigamy is more of the legal terminology that, from the government's perspective, a second wife is a bigamous marriage, a third wife is a bigamous marriage, and a fourth wife is a bigamous marriage. Okay. And, and the reason for it is the word by and gammy, bigamy, is actually not referring to two as in two wives, but as in secondary. So from the government's perspective, the second is a first secondary wife, the third is a second secondary wife, and so forth. So they refer to the same thing? It's all bigamy, right. You'll have four counts of bigamy. Oh, gotcha. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, So so that's really what... The the bigamy is referring to the secondary aspect of the government's recognition of a marriage. Now... From the polygamous viewpoint, uh, first of all, we don't we don't believe the government has any authority in defining marriage in the first place. That it never did. First of all, from a Tenth Amendment position, the word marriage never appears in the U.S. Constitution, and because of the Tenth Amendment, which says that unless it's explicitly codified in the Constitution, the federal government has no authority doing it. Now, how did the federal government get its authority? or or to suppose that it had authority with anti-polygamy laws, it's because the original one based in 1862 was a Utah territorial law. It was because the Utah Territory was not yet a state. It was a territory, and therefore, under the jurisdiction of the federal government, and therefore, they could do what they wanted within territories.
1: Okay, hang on. So is this still kind of the standard law against polygamy? It's
0: it's the standard position. Then it was reaffirmed with the Reynolds case in, uh, I think, think
1: 1878. Several challenges, okay. Right. So the original law,
0: was construed because
1: it was regulating
0: uh, territory. It had the authority to do so. In other words, it would have been a Tenth Amendment firestorm of states' rights if they were doing it on any other state. But because Utah was not a state, they were able to do that. And then later on in 1890, they were able to blackmail uh, the Utah residents, saying, we won't let you be a state unless you put into your state constitution that polygamy is forever prohibited. And then that became a process that many of the states in the West were blackmailed. Of if you want entry into uh, the Union as a state, you have to have this polygamy is prohibited in your constitution.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: It became a sort of blackmail. You want this, and this is the only way we're going to let you get in. So currently,
1: do those state constitutions?
0: Yes, they do have those. And actually, uh, do you know how many states? Well, all states actually have you know additional. What what typically yeah. happens is that. Uh, you know, states will come up with laws and uh, they'll follow the same format that other states have followed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just laziness, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Use a template and just keep going forward. And so uh, bigamy laws do exist in addition to constitutions in some states in the West, but there are bigamy laws throughout all the states on their individual uh, statutes. So most Western states have bigamy laws? A number of them have actually in the Constitution. Do
1: you know where I can... Find out quickly what exactly, exactly which one.
0: Findlaw.com. Okay. And basically, just do a search for uh, for bigamy. And then most other states just have separate laws. Regular individual statutes. Well, actually, you'll be able to find that out also through uh, Findlaw.com. Um, you know, you do a bit of a search. You know, do a search for marriage and or bigamy. The the thing about uh, the the thing I want to also clarify mm-hmm. is that in uh, some states are are more uh, intense than others. For example, uh, the Idaho State Constitution, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me step back and and give you a comment from U.S. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia mm-hmm. in the Romer v. Evans case in uh, May twenty. May 20th, 1996. What's the name of the case? Romer v. Evans. Basically, that's one of the two cases that we say now secures polygamy rights. R-O-M-E-R? R-O-M-E-R, yes. Okay. Uh, I believe it was Governor Roy Romer uh, versus Evans or something like that. Okay. Uh, What had happened in that case was... Uh, That was in 1996 that it was decided. In 1992, uh, the state of Colorado had passed an amendment to their state constitution, Amendment 2, that uh, basically said that there would be no special uh, rights or classes for homosexual behavior-choosing individuals. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, basically, they were sued as saying that that was unconstitutional, and the Romer v. Evans case went to the Supreme Court, and on May 20th, uh, the Supreme Court overturned that amendment to the Colorado state constitution on the grounds of what's now called impermissible targeting and basically he said that that you can't write a law that impermissibly targets a class of people and on that basis that was targeting the class of homosexuals in his dissent of opposing that decision US Justice Scalia Mm -hmm. said that he pointed out the whole polygamy issue and said how many of the uh, state constitutions in the West were forced to have uh, you know polygamy prohibitions written in them. He says now you go to the state constitution of Idaho and there theirs is so much intense that it actually says that not only polygamists but even vocally advocating polygamy could not only be a crime but also could lose you your right to vote. It would disenfranchise you not only being a polygamist but advocating polygamy and he said now it re- yeah and it, and it so his point was it remains to be seen how that Idaho constitutional uh, statute was not uh, an impermissible targeting of polygamists where at, while the much more mild Amendment 2 was an impermissible targeting of homosexuals. So in effect, what he pointed out was that decision in effect said that any laws which impermissibly target polygamists have thus been voided because you, the decision of Romer v. Evans is you can't have laws that impermissibly target a class of people. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, you got Lawrence v. Texas, which then established the right to privacy for consenting adult polygamists also. So you put those two together and virtually all the laws of anti-polygamy have been voided.
1: Um, okay. Explain that how Voided. Because was the dissent.
0: It was the dissent, yes. Well, it, it laid down the, uh constitutional argument showing that those laws have no ground now.
1: But the actual decision would up up
0: You're fading out of me here. I'm sorry, can you hear me now? Yes, I can.
1: But the actual decision supported um, the overturning Colorado's law. So Scully is, I'm just trying to
0: Correct. The Romer v. Evans overturned Amendment 2 on the grounds that it was an impermissible targeting of homosexuals uh, as a class of people. And Scalia noted that that means you have to overturn, that means laws against the class of polygamists okay, gotcha. that target them have and, to, are overturned. Okay.
1: And, then the Lawrence.
0: and then with the Lawrence v. Texas, uh, which was uh, not a, you know, it's often misrepresented as a pro-sodomy decision, but actually it was a privacy rights issue. It was a, I mean that was ultimately the, the category in which this decision was it was about the right to privacy of consenting adults. And in that uh, decision, again Justice Scalia made the dissent and noted the impact on polygamists and that you can't uh, the, you can't use that. in other words, it is just as much a violation of the right to privacy of consenting, adult polygamists and that laws for that have to be overturned and that's why he was opposing is, is that the, so you put those two together the impermissible tar- laws that impermissibly target polygamists and laws that intrude on their right to privacy of consenting adult polygamists is unconstitutional by those two decisions so those, those, that's the federal issue uh, with that the there are, of course, state issues, you know, and every state has various bigamy laws. And legally, they're not really after uh, much law enforcement on the issues, sort of like old you know, uh, fornication laws and things like that. The, the thing to understand about uh, most polygamists is the issue of the marriage license. Polygamists do not believe that the government has the authority to be marrying in the first place, from the constitutional basis, and plus, actually, from a conservative Christian p- position. And this is where, uh, as I mean, Christian polygamists, we, we tend to typically be politically conservative, and we're sort of like the uh, uh, the, uh, the older brothers of our immature little uh, little brothers who are out in the conservative, like little. Uh, 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 chicken little saying the world is going to fall because of the lawrence v texas case and married the end of marriage well i don't know about you but i'm going to stay married (laughs) you know it's not the end of marriage um what others do but but the point being is, is that they are forgetting that uh the there was never once an example in the bible of a man married by government never once Not once is there any example of that. And the conservative position is always against bigger social, liberal forms of of government enactment. And so they're actually going in violation of their own conservative principles in this regard. And so we're like, we're not against our fellow conservatives for this. What we're actually doing is we're being the older brothers with greater wisdom saying, you're making a mistake in how to solve this problem
1: what action has been so from her has that been right challenges? has a been challenge been does it come up does it come up
0: well actually the combination of these two see well, this is what I was getting at is that when you get to the aspect of the marriage license most polygamists are not usually bound or in trouble because they don't seek the second marriage license okay. and so you don't have that aspect okay. uh, the and and that and that's basically how we get it. So so when, from the government's perspective, uh most practicing polygamists are merely uh, uh a married man with uh, a live in mistress. Okay. Granted, that is absolutely not the perspective that they take. Yeah. Well I you know I mean And and what's ironic is the idea of a mistress is okay and considered legal and acceptable in society, but the idea of let someone actually be responsible, let someone actually be committed to the family relationship, and suddenly you've got a problem. So most most uh, families are not in the uh, d- idea of thinking government has authority, so they're not going after the government license, and so there's not a law enforcement prosecution. That's why, unfortunately, the media always misrepresents the matter of polygamy by associating it with all these other side issue circus act criminals of other matters. You know, like uh, uh, the whole Tom Green matter with his welfare fraud and you know, uh, child brides and all that other business. You know that, that happens with anyway. You don't. Uh, you wouldn't ban monogamy because of wife beaters, and it doesn't make sense banning polygamy or opposing polygamy because of, of some anecdotal horror stories. The only problem that does still exist with these laws still being on the books is not so much a matter of law enforcement, because most are pretty much la- laissez-faire. They could care less. Mm-hmm. What really is the issue is by being on the books, it's in the area of civil law that is a problem. One of the, one of the actual very, very positive things about uh, polygamy, especially coming from a love, not force Christian polygamy mindset, is is that of ministering and helping women be the best they can, and so forth. Is that of we've you know monog- forced monogamy has or marital socialism has created a culture of dumbed down males where guys go out impregnating girl after girl after girl, you know, and leaving them as abandoned single moms in a, as as hamsters in a wheel of a welfare trap, mm-hmm. and they can never get out of that. Whereas this is, This creates a solution of first a proven quantity of a good man, a man who wants marriage wants family, wants to take responsibility, not afraid of family and responsibility, and you have a full, uncoerced, consenting family situation, this provides the opportunity for such children to be, uh, that instead of you know the, uh, the woman having to, uh, the abandoned single mom having to work uh, just to afford the daycare, like a hamster in the wheel, instead now she's, her children are able to be taken care of uh, by people who love the children. I mean, including herself, and a whole family committed to the children and to the family. And so this actually creates a thriving environment for the formerly abandoned single mother. Mm -hmm. Now, you take that, and you have an abandoned single mom who was, uh, say, the wife of a uh, violent, abusive batterer. And he loses custody of the children and all that, and she gets it and all that, and then she gets involved in this thriving situation. The fact that laws like this will still exist on the books empowers that evil, cruel, violent man to use those laws as a battering ram to oppress the family and accuse the woman of of raising the children in a bad environment, even though nobody has any idea how good it really is. So it empowers that. Then they have to go into this great financial debt uh, just to cope with the uh, the legal defense of the situation.
1: What about other marriage issues that uh, have become sort of a big issue for same-sex couples? Just wanting the right and the protections that that marriage provides. Is that also an issue Is that you are looking to
0: promote? Well, to well, see. That's that's going in the opposite direction of we're really not after legalization. We're after decriminalization. Uh, we believe that once you, when you go down the legalization path, you have to start defining the forms of marriage. And once you start doing that, that's when you open up the door for discrimination and all that. And that's, again, where I would say our little brothers, the, in many of the conservatives, are making the mistake... That by arguing that government has authority, and in all their hysteria, you know, the government government should be defined, we must have one man, one woman definition, all that. By doing that, and then by not succeeding, they will have given the argument to force the government, excuse me, to force homosexual marriages on Christian churches. And they will have lost because they gave that argument by saying government has the authority to define marriage in the first place. How would that marriage? Well, this is why government shouldn't be there in the first place. In fact, actually, ironically, when that happens, they'll then be using the argument that we've, we're using now. <laughs> That's why the little brothers will finally grow up and be using what their big brothers have long been saying in the first place. Mm-hmm.
1: And you, you just mean that it will, by using that, if they fail to codify marriage.
0: Well, absolutely. Right. open well, the door to allow same sex. Right, and, and they will fail because, I mean, it only takes 13 uh, states mm-hmm. to make it not happen. Yeah, it's very difficult. Okay. And so they're going to fail, and every argument they use to say government does have authority to define marriage is going to backfire on them, because then after they fail, then what's going to happen is it's going to be called a discrimination issue. See, if government has authority to define marriage, then government has authority to define who's allowed to perform a marriage. And any minister who does not perform a marriage for homosexuals will be considered discriminating and lose his license to marry. And then all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing Christian churches doing what we Christian polygamists have long been saying in the first place. Government doesn't have authority. Government doesn't have that authority, but you will certainly have the discrimination argument used to strip Christian ministers of their licenses to marry on the basis of equal protection of the law. And and that's a fact. So that's why government doesn't have authority to define that. One second. So in the end, it's our little brother conservatives are going to have to listen to what we're saying now because they are setting themselves up for that to happen. So the real solution to keep that from happening is not to fight for an amendment, not to fight for big social gov- socialist government defining marriage, but to remember the true conservative position in the first place, and that is limited government. Government doesn't have any authority defining marriage whatsoever. Get government out of the marriage business altogether, and then nobody has to recognize what anybody else has. And that's the solution. And that's the policy procedure that we're 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 taking at.
1: What um what I I guess is most important is, uh, is there are there any cases pending or any legal action going to be taken? Are you going to use the Lawrence case
0: to challenge this or Well we certainly will use uh, both Romer V. Evans and the Lawrence V mm-hmm. Texas case. Uh, in fact, actually, uh, over at that propolygamy.com dot com site, there is a uh, uh, there's a past op-ed that came out just about after the Lawrence v. Texas case called uh, "Court Decisions Secure Polygamy Rights," yeah. and that's a must-read, uh, certainly. What I I just interested in covering or keeping up with whatever's happening Is there, there I understand. There going on there litigation? Well, there are it, we are in a. Uh, We do have a strategy, let me put it that way. And much like uh, when we went into Iraq, uh, we're not going to necessarily go public with what our strategy was. You know, because then you're arming uh, your opposition. Um, I do want to say this, and that is that uh, we are often misassociated as if we are on the same side as the, the, the same sex marriage crowd and the ACLU and all that. Uh, they're going towards the uh get government more involved direction. We're going in the let's not we're going in the actual conservative position that our little brother should be taking also. And that is to get government out of the marriage business. Purely to protect marriage, the best way to protect us from having to be forced into same-sex marriage uh, uh, officiating is to get government out of that authority in the first place. We are uh, we have what's called a truth bearer mission and our mission is to uh persuade our fellow Bible believing Christians. We believe that we believe that anti-polygamy thinking in society is what we call a house of cards. And if you kick out the first floor of a house of cards, what happens? It collapses. Exactly, it completely collapses if you consider every floor of a house of cards as a different political constituency that first floor is our fellow bible believing christians which we we come from the uh, as we continue to persuade them of the absolute scripturality for us it's just, it's like uh, are you familiar with the, the historic uh phrase the reformation yeah in church history, Christian history? Yeah. Luther. Martin Luther, basically uh, saying that the traditions of uh, the current institution, at that time was the Catholic institution, uh, was, you know, they were based on tradition and were supposed to be based only on the Scripture, and you're only following tradition, the tradition is wrong. Okay, that's oh, that's fifteen hundred years worth. So, so what we're saying we're continuing the Reformation, saying if we really, as Protestantism, which is ultimately what uh, the Reformation brought out, if we're really going to believe the Scriptures, then the Scriptures really exclusively do not ever call polygamy a sin. But as we do that, we are getting more and more fellow Bible believing Christians seeing this because it is undeniable. When you study this deep, it is unequivocal, it is undeniable, it is absolutely obvious. And we're getting more and more people from so many different denominations, so it's not a you know, a presuppositional thing. As we continue to get more and more, we are removing the opposition that says polygamy is immoral, polygamy is a sin. And by doing that, that collapses that first floor of the political constituencies, the conservative, Bible-believing Christians. Other constituencies, such as uh, liberals, have the uh, dogma of called tolerance. And the tolerance dogma requires liberals to tolerate adult, consensual, uncoerced, marriage-committed polygamy. It, it requires it. The feminists have the dogma of women's choice, and if women choose this, such as helping abandoned single women who single moms who would much prefer this than uh, than the perpetual hamster in a wheel, then then women's uh, feminist dogma requires them to accept consenting adult polygamy. The cultural conservatives who want to you know, stop the welfare problems and all that can certainly see this as yet another viable pro-marriage, pro-family solution of children raised by men who are men and want to be responsible and take care and raise children and certainly get women off, off welfare. So the cultural conservatives can embrace this. After that, all you've pretty much got is laissez-faire. Everybody else could really care less what consenting adult polygamists do. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is we are, we're, that is what our, we're, we're going more from the constituency direction. We're building a constituency so that politicians have no uh, risk in the decriminalization process. Is there a difference between decriminalizing it and legalizing it? Absolutely. If it's decriminalized, want it
1: be legal to legal to have multiple wives? Exactly. So... <laughs>
0: well, see, the legalization requires uh, defining. And, and again, if you think of the, the, the liberal conservative, you know, left-right pers- uh, perspective, if you start having to define, uh, conservatives, especially those that are coming from the Bible basis, will only see polygyny, which is uh, a man with more than one wife, as biblical. They won't see polyandry, the reverse, because there's no example of that in the Bible whatsoever. So, so if you had to start defining why you would get conservatives willing to maybe accept polygyny, but they would never accept polyandry, then that would automatically turn off the liberals who would then oppose it because if you don't have polyandry, you can't have polygyny. And, so they, so, and yet if you do have it, then you're going to lose the conservatives. So rather than going down the definition route... Which is actually what led us to this problem right now already, the whole same-sex marriage debate in the first place. If government had never gotten involved in the marriage business to begin with, then we would never even be here discussing the same-sex marriage issue. And it is by that social engineering of, of getting government involved in marriage mm-hmm. that... Is what is responsible for bringing us here today. So that's why legalization is a pro bigger and bigger and bigger government direction, whereas decriminalization is simply removing it from the books, getting government out of the business of marriage altogether.
1: Mm -hmm. So if it was decriminalized, would same-sex marriage also be be allowed?
0: Well, the what anybody wants to imagine they do doesn't matter you know uh even you know even from the christian standpoint you know uh it, it certainly doesn't undermine christian marriage you know what what other people want to imagine they're doing i mean if someone wants to imagine you know that the sky is uh you know polka dot with the with the hazel droplets or something i mean <laughs> you know they can believe whatever they want to believe i mean it's it it, it it's not going to have an impact on other people the uh However, I mean, you, you certainly want to, you know, the Christian paradigm would be, you know, preaching uh, preaching Christ to the, such ones and so forth. That's the Christian paradigm. The, the The real issue is that government doesn't belong in the marriage business in the first place. And by thinking that it does, that is why... The Conservatives, who are now all up in arms are responsible and bear responsibility for why same sex marriage debate occurs right now so get get government out that's really that 's the direction we are so think of us more as uh, wiser, bigger brothers, older brothers to our fellow conservatives who are if they don 't listen to us now they 're going to listen to us later because they 're going to end up you know the, once once they lose. If government has authority to define marriage, and every conservative who out there fought for it is going to have egg on their face saying government has authority, then if government has authority, then government has the authority to define who's allowed to marry. I mean, who's allowed to administer the marriages. And that means government has the authority to say, Mr. Minister, Mr. Christian Church Minister, you want the authority to license marriage? You have to also marry same-sex marriages. And if you don't, you're, we're going to strip you of your license and you will not be allowed to marry christians okay. even christians why would they have to do that when I, just well that's what i you know that's a whole you know part of the uh, the same sex agenda and all that you know i mean there there is certainly a hostile anti-christian agenda that's out there and certainly uh anything that because right you know i mean like
1: Catholic, not marriage,
0: not right now? Well, yeah. Right now? But see, again, if government has civil authority to define who's allowed to perform a civil marriage, then government has the authority to strip you of that marriage if you are violating the laws and the laws being prote- equal protection under the law. And so that's why government should never have been involved in the first place, because it does create that that anti-discrimination argument for a for a church to have government granted authority to license, as licensed to administer weddings, to administer marriage. They have been made vulnerable to the dictates of that government in the first place. That's the same reason why uh, you know churches don't want to be receiving. Um, Government mandates and things like that, because once you do that, that was the reason why part of the whole uh, faith-based initiatives didn't go as far as it was going to go. Because once once you start accepting money from the government, then you are you have to you are subject to what the government says. You know that, like uh, if I recall, there was something related to uh, the Salvation Army. Uh, uh, charity organizations and for them to be receiving uh, government contracts and all that subjected them to uh, anti-discrimination the, laws exactly, exactly and so the same thing certainly applies uh, to to Christian churches and this is why it is so fundamentally wrong for our little brother conservatives to be suggesting government has authority in marriage because they are by as they fail they are guaranteeing that that's the next step that's going to happen, and then they will be. Then what will their rhetoric be? Exactly what we're saying now today. The true conservative position that government has no authority in the first place. Okay. I've got to
1: take
0: off. Sure. Yeah, actually, so do I. Um,
1: appreciate it. Sure. What I want you to do is keep me updated. I would uh, be interested in covering uh,
0: some whatever action
1: is going to take.
0: Okay. Sure. Um
1: and uh, want to explain it any further, you know, let me know. Okay. And whether or not and you can you know, tell me whether or not it's for public information if you want to not print it.
0: I so far, everything that I've said here is, is certainly yeah. available for, uh, for publication. Are you planning on writing an article?
1: Um not right now because there's not really a, you know, a news it, something has to happen I,
0: I see um like a court case or a challenge well I, I suppose there's a uh you watch state like it was, it was Virginia or West Virginia I just read a recent article that uh a, a, an incumbent Republican uh just said that polygamy is next in his opposition to uh, uh you know the same-sex marriage position Virginia or it's one of those two states. it's one of right um and the Democrat challenger said, that's insane. And the fact is, of course, is we are next. You know, polygamy is the next civil rights battle. There's no question about it. There, there's absolutely no question about that.
1: Has there been any action at the state level, you know, historically, in recent, recent history, The overturn these laws?
0: well 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 we didn't we didn't have the strength of precedence to uh to do to really take any kind of action and and to be taken seriously is really what it is i mean you, it, it's an issue of also being taken seriously okay. certainly now we have the strength of arguments okay. and there are various uh people out there trying uh you know individual situations mm-hmm. you know and 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 some are of course trying to take the um uh, uh, Pro legalization route, you know, demanding my rights, that type of thing.
1: Sure.
0: What is your organization? Uh, what are they, how Well, know? when it comes to numbers and and things like that, because it is still quite controversial, and we do have uh, uh, quite uh, some hostility to overcome that we uh, that we get, we don't get into that type of thing. Okay. Well, I'm sure you understand. Sure. Can you tell me where you're based? Oh yes, we're out of Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Hmm we love breaking the stereotypes.
1: <laughs> uh, is it a an organized membership? I mean
0: uh, yeah, Oh yeah, so yeah, we we certainly have uh, uh we got volunteer activists and things like that. Yeah, we we've, we've got uh, a lot going. have you been to the website truthbearer.org? Yeah, i found through others. Okay. And then we got uh, our member site is truthbearer.us and our web hosting is truthbearer.net and and are you guys uh, you have members in the state Oh, beyond the country. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we're we're cross-national, cross, uh, cross-denominational. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's really the, the most amazing aspect of it, is, is that it's truly... Uh, it doesn't matter what your background or your paradigm, uh, if you're a Bible believer and you start studying it, you just you just cannot uh, walk away from the undeniability of it. And especially when you consider the, the, the model of... Marriage being Christ and His churches, what that's actually calling husbands to do is to be as Christ, and certainly that's an enormous model, role model to to to, to strive for. I mean, in a loving, selfless, giving, and that's why we have what's called love, not force. That a husband would never force polygamy on on what we call his first wife. You know, this is a consenting adult thing. This is not a forced polygamy issue and all that. And we deal with that at our website called LoveNotForce.com. other uh, Any biblical argument can be found at biblicalpolygamy.com. That's that's one uh, most people are uh, tend to cr- quickly go to because you want to hear all the arguments against the Bible. You know, like the whole idea of the Adam and Eve. You know, not Adam and Eve and Eve and Eve and Eve. Well, the fact is, is that that was written by Moses and Moses had two wives. Yeah, I think the man who wrote the story knows what uh, One Flash knows the Adam and Eve story is all about. Are you guys largely web-based? Well, that's how we, uh, you know, make contact with each other. We do have uh, a get-together annually and things like that. Uh, but uh, that the Internet certainly has made uh, made it possible for us to all find each other sure. I mean, you, know, you you start studying the scripture, and then you you ask uh, search engine queries, and you you can't help but find truth <laughs> You know, because we're the only uh, the only organization uh, with Christian polygamy. Because while well, it's a new movement too. When you talk about you know, hostility,
1: whatnot, mm-hmm. is, is it also a concern as far as legal action and in?
0: <laughs> yes specifically from, again, it's the civil aspect. Uh, We're talking about really uh, tender-hearted, women-loving men and women. And and we're talking men, uh, men who love women. We're not talking, you know, the chest-pounder force, you know, I can do whatever I want, immature kind of garbage. And really from a ministering heart and and a, a caring heart. And Having more love to give than you know than people may be able to receive that type of thing really edifying and building up and there there are a number of families where the whole uh, you know abandoned single mom in a better situation has certainly been a uh, uh, a wonderful thriving opportunity uh, for a number of families and so it's really the civil aspect that is really the you know the tool of of hostile. For ex-husbands, oh, no, exact the whole custody battle and all that, and and that's really the 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 biggest the biggest problem of it that we're we're up against and really need to remove it. The, uh, you know, I mean, cause from from the violent ex-husband's standpoint, you know, uh, his uh, his ex is uh, you know being a live-in mistress with her children in in some other family's home, you know. You know, that's the way it's misrepresented, and instead of realizing that now the children's grades are improving, you know, people are growing intellectually, emotionally, you know, uh, uh, one wife finally gets to go to school that she never got to, and then when she's done, the next wife gets to go to school, you know, because they're trading off and taking care of the children. The children are raised by parents who love them, rather than by uh, strangers that paid at low wages. You know, I mean, just everything is so incredibly positive, but because people don't know, and because these kinds of laws are on the books, uh, a, a civil judge can't, uh, can't you know, walk away from that. Yes. You know, so... And then that just creates a, a, a horrible, horrible burden. Okay. I appreciate your understanding. Keep me updated if um, there's anything no. else that I uh, can I certainly shall. Well, and plus, if you're already on the... Uh, List, the the proplemie.com uh list uh media okay. you, you must have been found somehow you <laughs> you're already getting stuff okay super uh and you are certainly uh free to uh keep me and us uh in your uh in your database Is
1: how I contact you
0: with this number uh yes but you would be best to email me first sure uh, you know, to, to set a time. And, uh, and if you do want to write an article or whatever, certainly, uh, let me know. And you are free to use my name. I can give you, uh, you've got my name spelled correctly, I hope. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's, I got it off
0: the, uh... Oh, okay, then you've got it. No, no problem. Super! Yeah, could, real quick,
1: um, can you tell me your personal background? Are you the organizer of, uh, you have a
0: title as far as the organization? Well, I'm known as the founder. Uh, basically, uh, a in uh, in 1994 I started publishing a newspaper called The Standard Bearer in which I began laying down the original usable duplicatable rhetoric uh, that of proving the scripturality of Christian polygamy um, and that's basically how, you know, then that took off and then other re- readers of the newspaper uh, began spreading the word of that uh, then we went online with truthbearer.org and uh, began spreading it even more Um I, you know really a, a movement begins when uh, uh you lay down the usable duplicable rhetoric in sort of like a, uh thing uh, it's <laughs> like a multi level you know they tell their friends that they <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that kind of a thing uh and, and it's it, it, your full time job now? uh it i do a number of things uh this is uh but this is my primary calling in life there's no question about it uh do do uh do, do you ch- minister also, or? uh i had uh, i had started a home church Yes. Uh, the, yeah, I've done that. Uh, be sure to uh, read that. Um, there's a history link at christianpolygamy.info, and uh, that, will, that will really uh, get you up to date on the whole movement history. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah.
1: yeah, I understand the sensitivity of this question, but are you practicing
0: also? I do not describe my personal life. I, I will say this. It is irrelevant whether I am practicing or not, but I'm not going to tell you what my family is. I am a very, very happily married man, uh, and what, what matters is that I pra- what I practice is I practice love, not force. Mm-hmm. In other words, what I'm saying is what I want everybody to know. I don't want anybody looking at me, you know, because someone will look at me like a circus act and ooh, and, and all that, and that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. What's relevant is love, not force, and that is I am a very happily married Christian man, very happily married uh, I have never been divorced I uh, have no intention of being divorced and that my wife uh, my first wife was uh, uh, fu- is fully embracing of Christian polygamy because of what we call love not force so it is more important that people know that love not force is really uh, the matter for everybody to practice and everybody to preach but uh, my personal family is uh in order for me to be as vocal as I am, I need to keep my family.
1: Yeah,
0: I, <laughs> I appreciate uh, appreciate this conversation and uh, look forward to speaking with you again, Kevin. Likewise, thanks, a lot, Mark. Thanks, now. Yeah, bye bye. Mark Henkel is national polygamy advocate. Presented polygamy to the public since 1994. National dot com.